Welcome to the Boys of Summer. It has been a long, long time. This is episode number 73. I'm Gene Gums, along with my friends Paul Arnold, Eric Braun, as we get ready to wrap up the regular season in baseball. Guys, it doesn't seem possible. It seems like the season just started, and here we are. We're six games away from it being over, and we've got some interesting races. We're going to get to all of that in a minute. Uh, but I want to start out with something near and dear to the hearts of Mr. Braun, and that would be the season that Salvador Perez is having. Uh, I mean, did, did be honest with me. Did you did you see this coming? No, no. Um, I mean, I knew he could do more than what he had done, especially if he would lay off uh, balls way outside the strike zone, which he still hasn't. <laughs> but, I mean, right. that's, that's, that hasn't been what's helped. Um, but no, I had. No, I, I never would have seen this kind of power coming out, especially out of a catcher. You know, um, it's helped that he's caught less games this year for sure. But uh, no, I had no idea anything like this was coming. He did have a really good, you know, shortened season last year where he showed this kind of power. Um, but to sustain it throughout the pretty much the whole season, I mean, and then with a the burst here at the end, it's been pretty, pretty incredible to watch. Well, I know that, uh, I mean, when you start getting into conversations and your name is thrown around with a guy by the name of Johnny Bench, yeah, uh, that's pretty impressive. And I know, Paul, you were you were looking at that, but uh, I, I believe Johnny Bench was the one that held the record prior to Salvador Perez. You are right. definitely right. Um, I think the story of Salvi Perez is a win for all mature guys. See, when we get into <laughs> our late 30s, we get stronger <laughs> Wiser, that's been 20 years for me, just saying. But, you know, I looked at the comparison of two players because, unfortunately, there's those real negative heads out there that was sort of dismissing Perez because Bench was a pure catcher and they loved Johnny Bench when he was young. And he was my favorite catcher growing up as well, Uh, partly because he could fit, what, 10 baseballs in his hands or some crazy thing. But this is what I found out. Perez did it in his 10th year, 31 years old. He was older and he was in a lineup that didn't give him protection that he really needed. The other side of that is he p- faced lower quality pitching maybe than Bench did. But Bench did it in his fourth year in the pros, only 26 years old. But what a protection lineup he had around him. So I, I think this is pretty amazing. Both of them are really amazing uh, stats. I also thought for a second, wait a second, did Bench have to do it with the uh, higher um, pitching mound and no that happened in 69 so no yeah, they right. so that was an advantage so I think the both is amazing and uh, I think Perez is such a likable guy and I think this goes a long way I think he's one of the guys they should hire at the end of his career for you know promoting baseball in Central America and South America well you know yeah, and, the Royals don't hire him first <laughs> you know and the thing is is that people that want to poo-poo the the fact that that he did this and wasn't a pure catcher this year he still caught 121 games you know it's not like he caught 70 games I mean this is a guy that was it's he's played every game at whether it's a DH or catcher and he has been out there every day and for a guy I mean look he's not a he's not 26 years old you know, that makes it even more impressive to me, whether he's catching or not. I mean, it doesn't take away to me anything that he did. I mean, obviously I have, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm biased, but yeah, I mean, come on. It's a, uh, it's, it's a way different game than it was in the seventies anyway. So it's really hard to do apples right. to apples. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, come on, Salvi, uh, is, uh, 
as, as pure of a catcher as as anybody, right? I mean, he's I mean, like you said, 120 games. Uh, yeah, that's less than maybe some, but um, you know, he's also a guy who, you know, just a couple of years ago was you know catching you know 150 or 155 games a season. It was crazy. Well, well you know, but actually, I, I was just looking at that. This is the most games that he has caught in a season this year since 2016. No kidding, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, huh. I mean, it, you know, so he is still, his workload has been bigger this year than it has been in the last few years. And most games he's ever caught in the season was 146. Huh. Uh, but uh, he caught, he caught 128 games back in 2016. But since then, the most he had caught was in 2017, he caught 115. So, you know, his workload has still been pretty substantial. And then you throw, you know, a lot of guys that when they take days off, like maybe they only catch 120, 130 games, like for instance, mm-hmm. Christian Vasquez for the Red Sox. When they have an off day, they have an off day. They're right. not they're not working as a designated hitter. They're giving them the day completely off. So to me, Perez is still going out there and he's still taking four at bats every game, five at bats yeah. a game. He's still running the bases whether he's catching or whether he's a designated hitter. So I think I think that's just sour grapes and people trying to, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm old, so it's kind of like you know us saying, you know, well, everything in my day is better than it is today. You know, that's really what you're looking right. at. You know, it's really, yeah. it's really a lot of older fans saying, yeah, but nobody can hold a candle to Johnny Bench. Well, yeah, maybe they, maybe he can. You know, maybe he can. And and, and you know what? Defensively, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's better than Johnny Bench, but he can hold his own. You know, and as and we all saw Johnny Bench play a lot of games in his career. He was a great defensive catcher, but Salvador sure. Perez is one of the best defensive catchers out there now. Yeah, Johnny Bench didn't have a problem at all congratulating Salvi and having a good time with it. And right, yeah, uh, I think that's the sign of a real quality uh, sportsman, right? They're not all about their own stats and just celebrate. Why can't celebrate both records? Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the video of Salvi and and Bench talking over like Skype or something. No, uh, it was it was hilarious. Uh, you know, it, Johnny was doing it was kind of like a, a Cheech Marin accent, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, it was endearing in its own way. Uh, but it was it was really funny. And Johnny obviously thinks a lot of Salvi, and the feeling is mutual. So that was just a really neat neat moment uh, shared between those two. Well, you know what? And Johnny Bench is not only was he a great player, he's a great human. I mean, this is a guy that that is, you know, raised his boys as a single parent, you know, and uh, he's done some remarkable things with, with, you know, raising his own family without without a mom there, you know. So uh, and he's also kind of the unofficial ambassador of the Hall of Fame. He's kind of the guy now at the Hall of Fame. He's the one that's kind of the spokesman for all the the, the older hall of famers. So, you know, and he's always welcoming the new guys. So it doesn't really surprise me that Johnny bench did that. And the people that want to poo poo what Sal Perez does, they should just take a look at what Johnny bench does and shut the hell up basically. Agreed. So, uh, now in, and staying in the Braun household, <laughs> it's true. The St. Louis Cardinals. What is up with the St. Louis 16 wins in a row? This is a team, I have to be honest, a month ago, I had them deader than Julius Caesar, and now here they are. They are they're in the playoffs for all intents and purposes. I mean, they could still technically miss it, but they'd have to lose every game between now and the end of the season. Yeah, and that seems pretty unlikely. It, yeah. has, been, it has been a very happy uh, household here. Uh, my wife, who grew up in uh, uh uh, the St. Louis suburbs, Bridgeton, Missouri, to be exact. Um, and yeah, so uh, it's just been 
Yeah, and with some of those games that were have been just absolutely bonkers too. I mean, they've won in just about every way over the yep. last fifteen games. I mean, like yesterday, I don't know if you saw the just the weirdest uh, uh, running uh, base running blunders I've ever. You know, in one they got three outs or two. They pulled off a double play. They could have gotten three outs had there had there not already been one out and just all in rundowns. They had three different rundowns going in one play with the Cubs who just kind of ran themselves out of a, a pretty good rally. Uh, you know, it's and it's what's been fun to, is, you know, and they've been getting uh, contributions from everybody. It hasn't been one guy carrying. I mean, Goldschmidt has gotten hot, but Nolan Arenado's done some stuff. Uh, Adam Wainwright, who's 112 years old, has had a couple of really good performances through this. Now, he had one that wasn't so great, but the team picked him up. And right. uh, it's just been, I think that's what's been fun to watch is just, is that it's been somebody different um, every game. Yeah, I think, I mean, you see a guy like Bader who hits eighth and he comes up, you know, in these clutch situations and gets a hit or makes a catch or, and just fires up the team. He's just a, he's a spark plug for that team for sure. And, and O'Neill has just, I mean, that guy is absolutely pounding the ball, pounding the ball. It feels like he hits two or three home runs every game the way he's, and, and they're not like, you know, uh, you know, lucky home runs. You know, they're, they're, you know, I think, I think it was, I think it was O'Neill who had one, you know, you know, end up on Way Wayland Street yesterday. Well, and they had a they had a game today. It looked like they were in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. they were down two to one going into the eighth inning. They tied it up in the eighth. They scored a couple in the ninth, and the next thing you know, it's sixteen in a row. It's just it's just phenomenal. And uh, and and St. Louis is such a baseball crazy town. It is. I, you know, I mean, uh, I guess um, they have some of the best fans in baseball. You know, and me being a Red Sox fan, I, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I've been to games in St. Louis, and those fans are absolutely rabid about their baseball. They do know the game, right? Yeah. So when you when you listen to the fans at a Cardinals game, it's different, right? They just they they seem to under have a better understanding of uh, of the game. And I hope none of my Kansas City friends are listening to me say this because <laughs> uh, we we you know there there's there's some rub there. And if my wife ends up listening to this, you know, then she's going to remind me of it on a regular basis. So I have a um, question for you guys on this. Um, You've already covered some of the topics I was thinking about, but I looked at the manager. You say his name, Mike Schilt, right? Mike Schilt, yeah. Yep. So yep. his record is just not super. It's 546 as a manager of the Cardinals. He didn't play Major League Baseball. He came up the hard way being a scout and everything like that. And somehow, some way, he's got this team playing crazy. Before this streak happened, Eric, was he on the hot seat at all? You know, actually, so I was... Right before they got on the hot on this hot streak, they had had a really rough series, and there was some some questionable bullpen management, and the fans were just lighting him up on Twitter. And yeah, it was like Schilt should be fired. Now Twitter obviously is the rage machine, so you know who <laughs> yes. knows how serious who knows how serious that <laughs> no is. No way. But yeah, I know, I know, it's, it's shocking. But uh, but yeah, I think I think there were some people who were upset. I mean, obviously, they spent a lot of money. Uh, in the off season or, well, I guess it was just last year when, you know, when they brought in Arenado and, and so, you know, I think there's uh, maybe a little bit of uh, angst there. I don't think he was really, you know, I don't think he's in danger of getting fired, um, you know, especially, you know, uh, just because of some of the injuries they had, um, you know, on that team, they had, you know, uh, obviously their, their, their pitching has been hit on several fronts this year. Um, 
uh, and I'm blanking on uh, the starter's name that's been out and just just came back off of the uh, uh, Flaherty, Jack Flaherty. Um, you know, uh, so he's been out most of the year, and even when he's been in, he hasn't been great. Um, you know, if he comes back for the playoffs, then look out there; it's going to be a, um, uh, you know, a, a quite the uh, quite the run there. But yeah, I, th- I think with those injuries, I don't I don't think Schilt would have get gotten fired if you know if they miss the playoffs two years in a row. That's a crisis in St. Louis because <laughs> um, uh, they just I mean they make the playoffs every year, right? It feels like it anyway. Um, so, so yeah, that's the only way I would see it. I don't, I don't think he was really on the hot seat this year. I mean, and he's a great story too. I mean, he's a guy that, yes. you, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, you, you talk a lot of times about basketball players being gym rats. Uh, Mike Schilt was the baseball equivalent of a, of a gym rat. <laughs> I mean, his mom worked in minor league baseball when he was a kid. So he grew up around the game and it was one of those things where he just, from the time he was a little kid, he lived, breathed and, you know, and ate baseball and he no, he never played in the majors, but this is a guy that learned about baseball from the the very bottom all the way up. And and to talk about, I mean, it's just a great story. I mean, you usually don't find guys making it to the major leagues these days. You know, you used to more in the past, but you don't see a lot of guys these days getting to the major leagues as managers that haven't played a little bit. You know what I mean? Or 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 or, or you know, got at least gotten a cup of coffee in the major league. Somebody that right. you could say, well, you know, he's always watching what goes on, even though he doesn't play a lot. But but he, that's why I think, I mean, he's just a great story. You know, whether he's a great manager or not, I'll leave that up to the Cardinal fans to decide. Um, so since you brought it up, Mr. Arnold, let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about some of the managers that might be in trouble with the, with the season winding down. Now, two of the managers that I thought were in trouble just got renewed this week. <laughs> Tori Lavulo from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Arizona has won what, like 50 games this year? Uh, yeah, they're 50 and 105. He just got his contract renewed for another year. Uh, Brandon Hyde of the Baltimore Orioles has lost over a hundred games two years or three years in a row. He got his contract renewed, so he'll be back next year. So two of the guys that I thought were in trouble aren't. But I've got I've got a big one for you, and, and I picked these guys to make the playoffs, and they're not making the playoffs, and that's Jace Tingler of the San Diego Padres. Is he getting fired? I'm going to say yes. I think I think if uh, if you're looking at who is the most likely to get fired, it, I think it's got to be that guy. I mean, uh, and uh, and I don't think it's going to stop with just him. I think they're gonna, there's going to be some uh player changes you know i think there's uh, going to be a, 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 a they're going to clean house yeah well they they fired their pitching coach during the season and That's replaced, right, yeah. and replaced him that didn't help an awful lot they're still not making no. the playoffs but there's been there was been talk about tingler you know from the since the time he got the job you know and so with and so much was expected of that team i'd be shocked i think you know if if he keeps his job what do you think paul Oh, I'm just not up on the Padres like I should be. But when you're talking about the Orioles, that's sort of close to my heart because I lived there for three years and went to the games. And what DeAngelis is doing to that franchise makes me want to cry because such a proud franchise. And by signing these managers after such horrific records, they're basically saying, we really don't care what next year is going to happen. We are not going to put money into a new manager. We're not going to put money into players. We're just going to lay low and take a big sale of this franchise in a couple of years. That's what it feels like to me. Well, as a, But maybe, is that too strong? But Yeah, that's a little rough, I think, because they do. They, uh, I will give them this. They have done a good job building. They have some good young players. Uh, the kid, uh, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, 
uh, outfielder, a really good young player. Uh, Cedric Mullins was an all-star this year. Great center fielder. Uh, you, Trey Mancini coming back off the cancer diagnosis. You know, he's just coming back in, but he still hit 250-something this year. That's another good player. Uh, Anthony Santander. They've got some guys that can, that can hit the baseball. They've got some good position players. What they're lacking is good pitching. But I think that they're at least position-wise on the right track. You know, so I, I, I just don't know if Brandon Hyde's the right guy. And I think what they might be doing here, Paul, I think they might have just renewed Brandon Hyde for another year, just saying we're going to, you know, we know we're not going to win again next year, but let's leave this guy in place. Let's get some more of these young kids going. We'll get another good graph this year. And, you know, and then I think after next year, they'll move on. That's what I, that's what I think they're doing. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't have any inside information, but that's my guess. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I, but the, another guy we've talked about why he hadn't been fired yet. And that, that's Rocco Baldelli of the Minnesota twins. And I, look, I'm a Rocco Baldelli fan. I am not advocating that he get fired, but again, this is another team that after, especially after last year, much was expected. And yet they are 18 games under 500. They are in last place in the AL central. Uh, and I would have bet my, my house, that any other team other than the Minnesota Twins and the White Sox could have finished last in that division. I no way did I see this happening to the Twins. But so is is Baldelli in trouble? I feel like if he there was he was going to get fired, he already would have been fired. I just really you know that's yeah. I mean I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But uh, but yeah, at this point, uh, I think maybe they're going to stick with him just because you know it is one year and they had a good year last year. Maybe. Just see um, it's an, an outlier and and just see what happens. See what happens. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the only thing I can figure. I don't know. So, who do you um, think is just... the best manager in baseball right now? I mean, I'm. You know, we were talking about these guys that could get fired. The Tigers were so, I guess, fortunate to get AJ Hinch. I know he has a little black mark on him, but man, the job he's done in Detroit, we all have noticed. Man, that to have a good, really good manager makes a lot of difference. And you know, we we teased with Tony La Russa coming back like oh he's too old but he's done a great job too so Gene you're probably the most knowledgeable of all of us who do you think is the best baseball manager right now in baseball that's a, t- that's a tough call I mean I'll tell you what uh, I am a big fan of Brian Snitker in Atlanta uh, I think what they have done the last few years is phenomenal and I think what they did this year and it's not just Snitker Alex Anthopoulos the general manager has to get a lot of credit after Ronald Acuna Jr. went down everybody thought Atlanta was dead in the water they went out and made some great moves and they have played great baseball down the stretch I think he I think Brian Snitker of the Braves is is right up there I think number one and as much as I hate it and I hate this team I hate the way they they play games it's the the Tampa Bay Rays, you probably would have to say right now, Kevin Cash might be the best manager in baseball. Mm. He he pushes. Look, they've got 97 wins. He pushes all the right buttons. I think, look, I love Dave Roberts in Los Angeles. They win despite Dave Roberts. <laughs> they win because they're loaded with talent. I don't think Dave Roberts is a great manager. I love the guy. I think he's a great, a great human being, and he will forever be a Red Sox legend for what he did in the playoffs. But, but you know... To me, he's not a great manager. Gabe Kapler, he's been an awful manager. All of a sudden, they've caught fire in San Francisco. He's having a great year. But right now, I, I think Kevin Cash is probably the best manager in baseball. I, I really believe that. 
You know what the thing with with Kevin Cash and kind of taking it back to Baltimore. You know, I mean, he's good, like you say, at pushing the right buttons, but also, I mean, just dealing with talent that isn't, you know, always top tier, right? He right. he finds a way to win, and so I just it, that's what's so frustrating about the situation in Baltimore is that if they are keeping uh, their co- their manager there around for another year because it's, you know, they're going to lose anyway. And it's, you know, just, you know, it's a bunch of young people. They may or may not keep around. I mean, that's like, that seems like that's the time when you need to have like a much better manager <laughs> right. in place as opposed to, you know, if you have a bunch of talent, like you said, I think Dave Roberts can go out there and, you know, he bar- probably barely needs to show up in the dugout for them to, you know, to, to win hundred games. So I don't know. It, that's just, that's one of those things that's always bugged me. It's not, uh, with managing in baseball, it's, you know, if you have talent, it's, it's a fairly, I don't say easy, but you know, it's, it's certainly limit. You certainly don't have to make as many in-game decisions. Right. (laughs) So especially if you're starting pitching goes, you know, seven or eight innings every time out. And I don't, you know, and look, I don't know whether Baltimore changing their manager would make a lot of difference. What would they, so if they won 50 games this year, what would they win? 55 with a different manager? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but think about it. I mean, remember how Joe Madden at one time was the greatest manager in baseball when he was with the Rays? He, he, he was a freaking genius, right? And then he goes yeah. to the Cubs and he's an even bigger genius, right? All of it then, but then they can't win. So he's an idiot. And now he's in Los Angeles with the Angels and they're not winning. So he's a bigger idiot. I mean, so it's one of those things that I think you have to look at a body of work. And I think if you look at what like Kevin Cash and Brian Snitker have done in their careers with these franchises, uh, it's hard to argue that they aren't maybe the two best managers in baseball right now. Uh, you know, I would, I would I would definitely throw Hinch in there. Yeah, um, I mean, yep, I I would throw AJ Hinch in there. What he has done, the fact that the Tigers have what seventy five wins with that team. My hat's off to the guy, I mean, and and they have the best record in the Central since the All Star break. Yeah, they're 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 doing better, you know, um, than the White Sox. So yeah, yeah they, they're you know, and and they they've got a uh, they've got a winning record at home. Yep. You know, I think they're four games over five hundred at home. I mean, so yeah, no, he is he's definitely right up there. But you know, again, it, it, Kevin Cash wins every damn year. Atlanta yeah. Atlanta wins every damn year. You know, and, and another guy, again, a guy who probably because of where he is and people just take it for granted. I think what Dusty Baker has done in Houston is pretty phenomenal because he came in there under you know, the biggest adverse circumstances you could get. And he, he has quieted the noise in Houston quite a bit. He really has. He's, he's just I mean, he's just he was the perfect hire for that uh, for that situation. Yeah. And, and he's and he's a classy guy, you know, I right. mean, and uh, and and. The, the amazing thing to me is what they're 91. They've got 91 wins going on 92 and he doesn't have a contract for next year. They haven't, they haven't, his contracts up and there has been no talk about extending his contract despite the fact they've got over 90 wins. That is, that was surprising to me. Well, my favorite manager of all time was Sparky Anderson, partly because I was a big fan of the big red machine. And then he came to Detroit and really managed the team well, but he was not always a nice guy to the players. He would, no. you know, push them around a little bit and tell them who's boss. And um, he could be a jerk sometimes, but he he really pushed them to overachieve. I don't think he was best friends with anybody on the team. And probably the closest he ever was to really being close to somebody was Kirk Gibson. Um, but he got the most out of their players. Now we had Billy Martin for a while here, and oh. after Billy Martin. Um, you know, 
he seemed the other next guy seemed a little mild, you know what I'm saying? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, some managers really bring it out in the right time for right place. And this is really going back in the time machine, but 68 tigers won the world series with a guy named Mayo Smith, who was a journeyman baseball assistant, you know, coach on the bench. And he just was the right guy to calm things down with a veteran team. So sometimes it's just the right time, the right place with your right style. My favorite manager of all time, hands down, Burl Weaver. Oh, wow, nice. Just just for the entertainment factor alone, he was worth the price of admission just to watch him. (laughs) And I got to see a lot of them. Being a Red Sox fan, played the Orioles an awful lot. And, oh, my, I I was personally at about probably a half a dozen games that he got thrown out of, having (laughs) absolute temper tantrums. It was the greatest thing ever. So, and how about you? Old, what's, what's all, your, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What's your favorite manager of all time, Eric? Uh, Earl Weaver. Yeah, yeah um, well, especially you when you when you look like some of the there's obviously there's the entertainment factor, but um, just some of the a good manager. He was a right, so he's a really good manager. But you know, uh, they had like the mics on. Uh, <laughs> they could get like during the. Uh, oh, yeah. During the was it the seventy five seventy six yeah well he but he, it was just um, just and I can't and now now I can't decide if it was him or Sparky where he just went out one of them went out to the uh, the coaching mound during the World Series that year um, and that was seventy five right when they played each other in the yep. series yep um, and it just kind of stopped and he was like guys. Oh, can you believe? Can you believe this game? I think I think that was Sparky actually. Yeah, it was Sparky uh, because that was that was the uh, Cincinnati Reds and the Red Sox in '75. Oh, okay, all right, right, yep, right. So that was Sparky, but uh, I mean Earl Weaver is just oh my, he was just classic, you know. And Earl yeah. Weaver, I mean, you know, and you look at it, I mean, this is a guy that won almost sixty percent of his games as a manager. You know, his winning percentage yeah. as a manager was five eighty three. That's you know that's pretty impressive all time. So he, you know, you, not only was he my favorite, you could make a case that he was one of the best ever, you know, except, you know, unless you want to go back into the twenties with the, uh, with the Yankees, but you know, Joe McCarthy, et cetera. Um, all right. I got a couple more. Uh, what are the chances that Luis Rojas of the New York Mets gets fired? Not much. I don't think, I think they're in a really. I think they're in a whole mode because all the injuries to the pitchers, how can you blame them for all the injuries? Oh, I just think that it's New York, Paul. It's New York. Like, what have you and done lately for me? Was they, that what you're they've got, well, they've got a brand new owner, a billionaire that wants to win. He's on social media, which is hysterical, and actually engages with the fans. Um, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. There's no question about that. But, you know, they went out and uh, they made a bunch of moves at the trade deadline. Uh, I just, I would be shocked if he doesn't get fired. I really will. Yeah, the, the the new ownership is the wild card there. I think he would probably stick around if if not for that, if it was just like regular old um, uh, Mets ownership, uh, just because they've been kind of up and down. I mean, I think on our last podcast they were still you know in the hunt. They've definitely right. fallen fallen on hard times since, but um, you know they 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 showed flashes of being a decent team. Uh, but yeah, this this new ownership is pretty wild. So he could he could definitely be gone. Well, especially considering they're looking for a general manager because the general manager they hired got uh, got fired right after is because of I think it was some sexual harassment stuff or <laughs> something that came up in his past. So he had the job for like a week and was was out of there. 
Uh, Sandy Alderson's running the team now, but they're looking for somebody else to do it. So when they hire the new head of baseball operations or, or the new general manager, it may well be that he's going to want his own guy, which is another wild card in this whole thing, despite the fact that they're going to finish under 500. Um, last one. What are chances? Let's say my nirvana comes true for me and the Yankees don't make the playoffs. Do you, do you think there's any chance that Aaron Boone will get fired? Aaron effing Boone? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't think I don't think he's going to get fired this year. I think in, if they didn't make it this year, give him one more chance. But you said it's New York. Anything could happen. Yeah, that's the thing. Is I, uh, I, I agree almost exactly with with Paul. It seems unlikely, but being New York, yeah, who knows. <laughs> that's, that's really that's really that, that that about tops it off it's new york who knows all right let's look at the american league wild card race and this has been a lot of fun uh right now for the number one wild card you have the red Sox and the yankees are tied both at uh, 88 and 67 going into the game on sunday night the 26th of september when we're taping this so the game is just getting ready to start now but if you look at this and Fangraphs just came out with a thing, and they said with the games left, the Red Sox have a 94.7% chance of making the playoffs. Why? Because the Red Sox finish off, after the game with the Yankees tonight, the Red Sox finish off with three at Baltimore and then three against the Washington Nationals. <laughs> Two teams that one team is 56 games under 500, and the other team is 28 games under 500. So the Red Sox have a very favorable schedule. Now, they're all on the road. But those are if you can't win five of those six games, something's wrong. The Yankees, on the other hand, finished with three at Toronto. Toronto is still in very much in the hunt. They're a game and a half back. Mm-hmm. And then three at home to end the season against the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, the Rays have already clinched a playoff spot. They've already clinched a division. So the question will be, what will the Rays do? Will they try to spoil the Yankee season? So uh, if you have to, so, and then the, the Toronto Blue Jays, they have three against the Yankees at home and then three against the Orioles at home. So if you look at the schedule, the Yankees of those three teams may be the one in the most trouble. Just based on who they finish against with, uh, they play Toronto that's 86 and 69 and the Rays that are 97 and 59. So the Yankees have the toughest schedule, those three left. Which one of those three does not make the playoffs? Mm. Man. We're thinking. You hear the gears grinding? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm uh, going to put the Yankees out. I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that, I, I'm I on think your bandwagon. Yankees out. Yankees out. Yankees out. The Rays are going <laughs> to put right. out the Yankees before they even get a chance to get in the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. I look at it long term, they'll say, hey, if we can get out the Yankees now, we don't have a chance of facing them later. Right. Well, and I think that's the point here. And that's one of the reasons why I think the Rays will want to do that, because the Rays are going to be the number one team. They're going to have the most wins. So that means they will face the wild card team in the division series. So it'll be either the Red Sox, the Yankees or likely the Blue Jays. So if you're the Rays, which one of those teams scares you the most? You would think it's probably the Yankees just because of that batting order. I mean, but although, frankly, all three of those teams are pretty good. You know, so but so if you're the Rays, though, and you could take the Yankees out, don't you want to do that? 
I mean, I always want to beat the Yankees. Doesn't everybody <laughs> always want to beat the Yankees? I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. When the Yankees come in, are they and they're on the road, right? So they're in Tampa Bay. Yes. Yeah. No. I, no. I, wait. No. The games against Tampa are at home. Oh, they are at home. Okay. Yeah, three, um, three, three at Toronto, and then three at home against the Rays. Yeah. Uh, so if it comes down to like the last game of the season, and they're trying to get their pitching order settled, um, then maybe they, you know, if it comes down to the last game, then maybe Tampa Bay will, you know, do a bullpen game or something. But uh, yeah, I think they're playing to win, and I think they're going to knock the Yankees out. I'm glad I you've seen it. the light, Eric. Way to go, buddy. You guys think. Now there is one. There is one other team that has an outside chance, mm-hmm. and that's the Seattle Mariners. Now, if they're you playing had, very hot. Yeah, if you had told me in the beginning of the season that was going to happen, I would have told you you were nuts. But they are uh, right now 85 and 70. They are three back of the wild card. Um, so, I mean, if you look at their schedule, however, it's not exactly easy. They've got the Oakland Athletics at home for three. Oakland's obviously going to be, Oakland's still technically in it as well, but they could be out of it by the, by the end of that series. And then they've got the Angels at home. Now, the Angels are under 500, but that Oakland game, and that's a pretty good rivalry between those two teams, So, and they've played each other tough all year. So Seattle's still technically in it, which to me uh, is just shocking, but they've won 7 out of 10, and, and they're winning actually today on Sunday, so they're going to have 86 wins at the end of the day. They're only going to be a game behind Toronto and uh, a game and a half behind the Red Sox and the Yankees. So uh, they're still technically in it. Um, so let's go to the National League. And this is where all the division races are s- settled except for, two, well, actually, there's only one that's settled. That's the Central. Um, San Francisco Giants, they win again on Sunday. So they're, they have 102 wins, 102 and 54 the Dodgers are right behind them. They have 100 wins. They are 156. So they're two games back. San Francisco has Arizona for three at home and the Padres for three at home. The Dodgers also have the Padres for three at home and Milwaukee for three at home. Now, Milwaukee's already clinched the division. So who's going to win the National League West? They're done playing each other. I mean, if you, if you look at it, the Dodgers have the tougher schedule. The Padres right now uh, are, are a 500 team. Milwaukee is way over 500. San Francisco gets to play the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are 50 game, 55 games mm. under 500. So, you'd, I mean, from that standpoint, I think you'd have to give the advantage to San Francisco, no? Boy, Milwaukee's really been sputtering down the, um, down the end of the season, though. Um, well, but Milwaukee's won their last three. Oh, have they? Okay. Yeah. So. Well, think. Well, don't forget. Yeah, they got. Well, they got swept by the Cardinals. A four-game sweep. Yeah. Yeah, but then they just uh, finished off a three-game sweep um, of the uh, New York Mets. Okay. Well, there you go. So they've they've bounced back a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I still think San, uh, San Francisco is likely to uh, finish it, but man, you. To finish in at the top, but man, could you imagine winning a hundred games and having to uh, win a wild card uh, game? Win, yeah. win a wild card game, especially against a team as red hot as as the Cardinals are now. I mean, momentum is such a big deal in baseball, especially in in that kind of situation. You just, oof. Um, yeah, and I'm sure St. Louis is hoping that they would probably much prefer to see San Francisco 
uh, in that than than Max Scherzer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Who who gets to start for the Cardinals in the wild card game? Do you think? Oof. Um, Man, I would have said Wayno last week, but you know he kind of had that rough start. Yeah, he kind of laid an egg his last time out. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think they probably still go with Wayno. Unless they think that Flaherty is back, he, I, I, he's, you know, uh, Wainwright's had his, uh, um, you know, just an incredible season. So I think, I think you have to give the ball to him, and he's a, he's a big gamer, so he's going to show up and give it everything he's got. We got Paul. Well, you know, Max Scherzer is awesome. I mean, what a great pickup for the Dodgers. But the Giants have had the mojo all year long, so I'm just going to ride that train a little further. And as much as Wainwright has had a great year, I mean, he's over. It said he had 1.24 ERA over his last seven starts. I think before that stat was before his last game, he's had a great year. But he's 40, and as much as I said earlier that you know Salve chalk one up for the older guys, he's 40, and he's pitched <laughs> all year long. And I just don't know if he's got enough in the tank to carry them in a one-game playoff type of situation. I'm, I'm- you know, it is pretty impressive, though. He's thrown 200 innings at age 40. Incredible. That's, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I, I, my, my gut is, see, I, I, I think you might be wrong, Eric. I think they might throw Flaherty. They might. If Flaherty is 100%, but his last start, he only went like an inning and a half, I think. He didn't, oh, really? He didn't pitch very, yeah, he didn't pitch very long. I mean, they took it, you know, it was just sort of a test run, I think. Right, I think right. It, it wasn't like he had pitched terribly, but... Um, I mean, I guess, so, but Wainwright's, I mean, Wainwright has earned the right to pitch that game. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. So I think, I think Schultz will give him the ball. And, and how weird is it too, by the way, you know, all those years in, in Los Angeles, Clayton Kershaw has been the man, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and then Walker Bueller came on the last couple of years. So, you know, he was kind of like the man B and now Max Scherzer comes in and throws everything off. And yeah. I mean, now there's, I think that's a no brainer. He gets the ball in the wild card game. I would think if that's them, I wouldn't, I mean, who, who are you going to put out there for a one game? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, do or die. So, I mean, I think it's, it's yeah. Gotta, and it's, it's and even, be. yeah. And even if you win that game and you got to play, you know, in the division series, it starts two days later. Oh, geez, that's terrible. That means we got to pitch Clayton Kershaw or Walker Bueller. Oh man, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, oof. They're, uh, it's hard to see them, uh, you know, if they're just the worst possible uh, a team is, well, that's, is, is to face anywhere. You know, that's like, well, the, you know, one of the things that uh, Red Sox fans are excited about is Chris Sale's come back and, you know, he's mm-hmm. pitched very well since he came back. Yeah. And people are thinking if they have to face the Yankees, can you imagine that that matchup? It's going to be Garrett Cole and Chris Sale, like winner take all in the wild card. I mean, that would just Ooh. be fascinating. That would be really cool to watch. How is Garrett Cole done this year? Uh, he's great. Uh, he's, he? Okay. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he is likely going to win the Cy Young. I would think in the American okay. League. Okay. Yeah, I would. Yeah. So he's been really good. He's laid a, The Red Sox beat the hell out of him one game, but uh, the last time yeah, the, he faced him, they he, he shut him down. Yeah, it seems like every time I've watched him pitch, that he's lost. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like no. I'm like. Uh, yeah, no, he's had he's had a really good year. I want to say okay. he's six, 17 and seven, something like that. I mean, he's he's had a really good year. Uh, now the other series to watch, and it's all going to come down to a winner take all series, pretty much. I think the Atlanta Braves have a two game lead in the National League East over the Philadelphia Phillies. 
Those two teams play each other in a three-game series starting on Tuesday at Atlanta. So it's right in front of the Phillies. They are going to have to probably sweep that series to have a chance to beat Atlanta because then Atlanta finishes up with three games against the Mets and Philly has to go to Miami. See, the difference is the Atlanta finishes their last six at home and Philly has to play their last six on the road. Um, but it's all in front of the Phillies. That means they have to sweep Atlanta starting on Tuesday. What, what kind of chance you give them? I'll jump in. You, you take the ball. Yes, please. Not do. much. Not much. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Usually, I let Eric get his first well, you're, shot. You're, in. Half a, you're half. You're half an Atlanta homer anyway. I oh more than half. So um, yeah, Bryce Harper is trying to get that team fired up. They had a good win the other day, and I saw them all pumped up and everything. Yeah, that works for a little while, but you know, playing away from home, Atlanta's a solid team. No, they're not going to sweep Atlanta. They're not going to get all three games. Come on, wake up. They got shut out by the Pittsburgh Pirates today at home, 6 nothing. So, you know, and I think the difference is, is and, I, and Bryce Harper may well win the, uh, the National League MVP. I think it's, it's going to come down to him or probably Juan Soto. Um, but which, which is, you know, again, the, the whole MVP thing, Juan Soto shouldn't get an MVP. He's on a team that stinks. I don't. I don't think MVP should ever come from teams that aren't in contention. But that's just me. Agreed. But anyway, agreed. Uh, but anyway, I think the difference in this is going to be the Atlanta Braves pitching staff is much better than the Phillies. I think it's going to come down to that. But yeah, yeah, yeah I got to agree with with both of you guys on that. But boy, pour one out for the Mets, huh? <laughs> their their last six games are against uh, uh, teams a tall one or a short one, Eric. Yeah, they're going to need they're going to need a keg. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's going to be a long week for them. Yeah, they've they've uh, and and you know again that was a team that and that's why I brought up the Luis Rojas thing. I mean, with right. the moves that they made, bringing in Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco, and I, and I know they had, and I know Carrasco was hurt, and I know Syndergaard and Degrom's been out a lot. I get all that, but they still there was a lot of expectations on that team, and and Francisco Lindor is stunk. You know, I mean, he's one of the great shortstops in Major League Baseball, and he has had an awful year. You know, I think he's hitting 240, 245, something like that. I mean, he's been terrible, um, you know. and, and But he uh, loves the fans, though, right? Well, he wasn't the problem <laughs> with the fans. It was uh, Javier Baez yeah, that started that. Yeah. And, you know, Lindor kind of went along with that. Was That was one of the more boneheaded moves of the year as well. <laughs> Maybe well, we should and, bonehead and, move awards. Well, yeah, you know, we, we should do that. That you, that you know what that we should we should we it's should. right in our wheelhouse. We're good at we're, we're good at jumping on people. I'll tell you what. Um, so anyway, so that's where we're at as far as the uh, the pennant races go. The last thing I have, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but in the last week and a half of the minor league season, in the AAA season, Major League Baseball is introducing a pre-tack baseball, so a ball that's already sticky. It's something that they do in the Japanese league. It's something that they do in South Korea. They did the same thing in the Olympics. And these balls come already uh, gummed up, so to speak, so that you don't need uh, any other substance to get a good grip on the baseball, no matter what the weather is. So um, I don't know how much data they're going to be able to get over a week and a half, but I think it's a step in the right direction. And my question is, what the hell took so long? Yeah, it's crazy that it's taken this long, right? And because it's a problem with an obvious solution. And it's not like, I mean, this isn't a new 
thing in Japan, right, right. Or, or Korea. They they've been using it for a while, and right. then you know, and used it in the Olympics, and it's it's it solves the whole problem of of pitchers, um, you know, using foreign substances uh, to for for uh, to be sticky. Uh, I was listening to the Buster Only podcast um, earlier today, and and he was talking about how you know there's some you know some of these pitchers who uh, have suddenly lost their curveball or, you know, lost some of the bite off their curveball. Anyway, you know, either there's one pitcher who out there who's practically, you know, he's got to be running out of spit by the end of the game because he's going <laughs> to his mouth so often. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's gotten, you know, ridiculous. You know, we, you know, the MLB should be leading on this and not following. Uh, and, and to make matters worse, it's like, it's, they're not using the, the same ball as as what the the Japanese and the Olympics and all and all of them use. They're they're making their own new ball or something with 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 one of the baseball suppliers. So it's it's like, come on, guys, we've already got this baseball that's kind of becoming the standard. Let's uh, let's go ahead and use it, solve the problem, and move on. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people there's this whole conspiracy thing because you know Major League Baseball owns a stake in Rawlings now and yada yada yada. I I, I don't I just think it's I think you're right. I think it's just kind of, it was too obvious, you know? And I think yeah. it's, and Major League Baseball, you know, as much as it's a game, Major League Baseball is a corporate entity. And as we all know, corporate America moves at the, you know, the pace of a glacier. So yeah. I sometimes think that that's, that was the problem more than anything, was just getting the wheels in motion, finding enough grease to get the wheels to move. Well, the players union, you know, there's, there's trouble the batters aren't quite as crazy <laughs> about it yeah. as the pitchers, right? So they've got some, you know, some work to do uh, convincing the player, the batters, that this is an okay thing to do. But I think, you know, as long as everybody's on the up and up, and the, you know, we we don't go to these sort of uh, gymnastics to get a ball that the that the pitchers can actually grip. Wait, have you noticed since they started doing the cracking down on the sticky stuff, and and maybe it's just me, but it seems to me there have been more guys hit with baseballs than we saw the previous part of the season. I mean, guys are getting drilled on a regular basis because these guys don't have the grip on the baseball they used to have. And, you know, they're still trying to spin it the way they did before, and the fingers just aren't, don't have the grip. And it just seems to me batters might want to be in favor of this, at least to a degree, because it might stop them from getting one in the coconut. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, Go ahead, but Go ahead Paul. I was going to say, so we were all worried about spin rates and enforcing it and things like that. So if, if this new baseball finally makes it to the major leagues, are they still going to enforce the you know checking things as they've yes. done occasionally in the past? And second, yes. are the spin rates more over in Japan on average? Is there any way to compare that? I guess you can't compare apples and oranges, but will the average pitcher benefit from having it pre- scuffed or pre ready to go like this my sense from what i read was that it, 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 it they are pre tacky you know but they're not it's not to the point of like the spider tack and all the other stuff these guys were using so there's oh, there's something on it which will be a benefit it is better it's better than rosin is what they're saying but it's not as bad as the other stuff so it's kind of a a uh, a compromise and uh, but they are still going to check to make sure bad or pitchers aren't using something else on top of what's already on the baseball. That's what I that's what I read. Yeah, that seems to be the case. It does seem like more more players have have, have been getting hit, though. Um, 
but I don't know. I mean, you know, the thing is, and we, we probably should have talked about, about this. Like uh, there was that, that pitcher who slipped and accidentally hit uh, Kevin uh, Kiermaier the other night. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah, well that, but did you see why that happened? Yes. I know exactly why. It oh happened. my goodness. Kevin, it was all because Kevin Kiermaier picked up like one of their cheat sheets. It was a, basically a, it, a, there was a play, a slide, and a, the cheat sheet had come out, and Kevin Kiermeyer picked it up, and I guess it was the cheat sheet or the scouting report on him. So, well, it was so it's like that little card that the catcher yeah. has, so it has like everybody, like how they're pitching every right uh, every batter. So, he so yeah, so he, the, he took it back, back to the like <laughs> Yep, and uh, and so then like the next night they plunked him. So, uh, and that's uh, I think that's par for the course. I think that's the thing that happens in baseball. And the, the baseball is very good at policing itself. Mm-hmm. Of, of course, it cost Ryan Barucki, the pitcher that threw the that hit the guy and the manager, a game suspension because there was no doubt why it was done. But right. you know, but that's that's the way baseball always used to be. You know, you want to do something, we'll take care of it ourselves. We don't need Major League Baseball to step mm-hmm. in. Right. So that was hilarious. Well, well we've got uh, just a couple of minutes left, guys. You got anything else, or or are we done for the evening? Um, I think we're pretty much done, but you know, this is the great time of the year. We've got so many sports going on, and for some uh, fans, they're just starting to tune in to baseball. And I think it's our responsibility, guys, Gene, Eric, that we need to educate our, our office mates, the people we come across, that baseball still is a great sport. It's still great in the fall. I sound like my son right now pumping up his players on the soccer team. But anyways, <laughs> let's get people back interested in baseball. Well, I mean, I I talk up baseball to anybody that will listen, and even to people that don't want to listen. Um, you know, I, I I'm still, you know, it's it's to, baseball never ends for me. You know, I'm one of those people that when the season's over, I'm into the hot stove stuff, and it just never ends for me. So uh, I don't have that problem. But uh, but Paul, I want I want to make sure you do that. That was a great speech, by the way. When that was excellent. Yeah, yeah. And I I definitely want to talk about anything but football today. Sunday after the <laughs> Chiefs Chargers <laughs> fiasco. Oh, oh I, I bought that. The Chargers, a team, a football team that finds ways to lose game and somehow they beat the Chiefs. Although I saw Andy Reid got uh, sent to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's all right. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to be okay, but, you know, he's got that. that there's a guy with too much stress in his life. So, yeah. If yeah. I was uh, a baseball a, word. a football fan, I'd be talking about how the Lions find a way to lose to some guy kicking a 66 yard NFL record. Kick today, but I'm not going to talk about that. Yeah, I saw, <laughs> I, I saw that. Wow. I thought of, I thought of you instantly. An NFL record to lose a game doesn't get any worse than that. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do us for episode Almost number terrible. Seven. Baseball's great. There you go. We'll be back in a couple of weeks when the playoffs are underway, and uh, we'll give you an update. We'll talk about the postseason awards that will be coming up soon. Our our leaders in the clubhouse for that. For Eric Braun and Paul Arnold, I'm Gene Gums. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Boys of Summer.